In episode 48 of MobiCast, we discuss tips and guidelines for creating beautiful, simple APIs. Welcome to MobiCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Chris. It's another episode of MobiCast. Hey, John. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you. And Rich, unfortunately, is gone today. He's closer to me than usual. He's at a conference or something in Beaver Creek, which is just down the road here instead of three hours away in Denver. We miss Conference, him. yeah. That's a, it's a ski trip. <laughs> it is. Ski trip with a couple hours of mastermind planning or something every night. Since he's not here, we can say that. Maybe just one hour. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, today we're going to talk about RESTful APIs. We're going to talk specifically about microservice RESTful APIs, and we're going to give some tips and guidelines for creating beautiful, simple APIs. Before we jump in, I just want to know, what have you been up to this week, Chris? I have been busy wielding a snow shovel. So here in Seattle, we don't get snow often, and... When we do, though, it's it's definitely an event. So a few days back, we we got dumped on with about six to eight inches of snow, and it's very cold down into the mid-teens at night. And that's Seattle. We just don't know what to do. <laughs> we're, we're stymied by this. And there's no end in sight. So looking at another snowstorm tomorrow, and it looks like the weather's going to be like this for about two weeks. So I'm just like, what is going on February? Because this is not supposed to happen. <laughs> It's snow shovels all the way down. We have snow here too. Just yesterday, I had a conversation with my neighbor about how angry he was that the plow keeps plowing his cars in on the side of the street. (laughs) (laughs) And I I told my wife about it when she got home from work and she said, I had the same conversation with him. He was so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, what are you going to do though? Right. (laughs) Like they, you know, you got to plow the streets and where's (laughs) the snow going to go, right? Right, right. (laughs) All right. So let's jump into talking about these microservice RESTful APIs. Yeah. Why don't we just start out by doing our usual thing? Let's define it. What do we have? What's REST? Sure. Yeah. So REST is is an acronym, stands for Representational State Transfer, which is definitely a a mouthful. And it, it comes from a from a paper dissertation done by Roy Fielding, computer science candidate, I think, you know, obviously working on probably a PhD and whatnot, back in 2000, wrote this paper about, you know, how do you, what are the architectural styles and design for network-based software architectures? And so a big chunk of this was devoted to this concept of representational state transfer, which essentially is just, I mean, the concept is you have resources and collections of resources you can apply operations on them and get back results and it's all everything that you need is kind of encompassed in those paths and whatnot so it turns out that something like HTTP is perfectly suited for this and so in, in a way we had rest rest was kind of like a description of just how things worked in the web world so you had you had collections of resources and resources being basically websites and the pages that belong to them. And you could do operations on those pages, right? So in you know, a very simple example is the browser being a client of a REST API in that it is you're telling it to go to some some beginning location via URL. That URL then gets that request gets sent over to a, a web server to say, give me back this particular page. The page comes back with all its data and included in that page are, are a bunch of 
links to other things that users can do, right? So when you click on it in your browser, then your browser knows, oh, now I'm going to go fetch this particular resource for this particular collection. So um, I think that's a, there's a subtlety that you're getting at that didn't really dawn on me until I, it might've been, you know, five or 10 years ago, but, but like it was reading the HTTP specification and, and sort of realizing what was going on in the minds of the people that wrote it and how they were thinking of web pages as these abstract things that, that are on servers that you can go get, or you can go change them, or you can go make a new one. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's not really how I had thought about all of this before. And once I realized that, I was like, it's just was sort of an epiphany for me, like that they had, mm-hmm. that they had imagined these, these web pages or these, these web objects sort of living somewhere and needing to be updated and, and deleted and, and gotten enlisted and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's kind of the nuance you are hitting on is that, that web pages or web objects or web resources were the original, you know, now we think of REST resources as these things you might have in a database or a data store, but originally they were things that, that the HTTP folks thought of as living in a web server. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's it. Like, you know, when the paper, when this paper came out in 2000, it was just kind of like codifying the idea and maybe, you know, extending it a bit, but we already had REST, right? Mm-hmm. The web was REST and we had clients that were called browsers. We had the servers, they were web servers, but you know the API or the the microservice, if you will, right? It just ended up being it was serving web traffic, web pages mm-hmm. was a particular application. It's a pretty easy jump to say, well, now my application is not a web a website; it's now a message board, right? And it's the same kind of things apply, right? I'm going and fetching messages, I'm creating new messages, I'm updating messages, I'm deleting messages. You know, all the same kind of basic principles that you know that you would have. Right with, with a website, so yeah, so I think I mean that's definitely you know that that particular facet, that way of looking at this is that you know the web really was, I mean, it, and it continues to be right the original RESTful application and RESTful API, and it's a very useful way of thinking about things and very simple from an API standpoint, from an implementation standpoint, from how do I consume an API going forward for for other apps, and that's why it's become so popular for. For microservices, because it is simple, it's something that you know everyone understands and gets, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like the plumbing exists for all this stuff. Right. Yep. Beforehand, everyone was writing socket code, and everyone was doing it differently. I was just having a, a talk with my son about this last night. It was like because he's in a advanced placement class, computer science class, and they are one of his projects that he's doing is he is doing a client that goes and checks with a game server. So there's this, there's this game server service gathering of, of it's GOG. I don't know. I forget what the acronym is, right. But it's a, it's a popular game service and it hosts a bunch of different games and updates and whatnot. So he's got, he's built this client in Rust that basically interfaces with their API over Rust to go fetch, you know, all the, like, what games are out there and then which ones have been updated and has passed to the, you know, binaries and, and whatnot. So he's, he's built this, this client that goes and interfaces with it, provides a really nice way of doing that, but it's all rest, right? Like so his client is making these rest calls and it's, of course, it's, a, it's all going over HTTP and HTTPS. And so he's doing it in rest. And so it's like, and, and it's become pretty popular. He's actually got like 50 stars on his GitHub repo and there's been thousands of downloads of this, of this particular thing. So it's kind of cool to see that, but 
I said, is there, is there anything else out there that's like that for this particular game server that you're going against? He's like, well, there's this other one. There's it's and it's written in C. I'm like, man, writing all that web code in C just sounds really much more challenging now versus you know doing it at a higher level language like Rust or JavaScript or sure. or Python or whatnot, right? Um, but then I point out, it's like, oh wait, let me let me give you my story about walking to school in the snow five miles each way. <laughs> Back in like in 1999, 2000, like we weren't doing REST, right? Like it was the wire level protocol. So like this is what we had to do. Like I was writing, you know, low level C code. I was writing, you know, completion port IO, socket level code. I was doing protocol buffers and packing bytes and doing byte, you know, D word aligning. And it just... <laughs> It was very performant, of course, but it was also just really difficult and challenging and just it took a lot of time to do versus now it's just so much easier and simpler. Yeah. Uh, so thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, let's let's get into a little bit of just RESTful basics. Let's talk about those a bit so that we can we can eventually kind of make a, a picture of what a what a good, you know, an elegant microservice API would look like. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, some, some of the, the, the high level just techniques here or, or principles are is you're thinking of your system and your API as a collection of resources and individual resources within within those collections, right? So these are these are noun. These are nouns. So it's this is what's basically being served up by your API, being managed. So again, whether it be things like web pages or comments for a message board or it's orders in an e-commerce site, it's files, videos, what, whatever it may be, right? It's you have these entities that are like the base level thing that's being represented, and then you can have collections of them, right? So that's the kind of like one of the, the key principles there. And your paths to these things, your your which are essentially URLs, those are describing those with a with a path. And those those paths inside those URLs, you should see nothing but nouns in there right so so really no verbs because your your methods of your your restful api it's operating on these these entities right which are nouns where the verbs come in are on the actual http method that you use right so there's there's many different types of http methods defined in the http protocol so things like get post put patch delete head options and there's there's others as well but Typically with the RESTful API, we're going to use a core subset of those to do the kind of basic things you, you want to do. And, and normally, like with an API, you're, you're talking about CRUD, right? So create, read, update, and delete. And those match nicely with, with these HTTP methods, right? So for reads, you're going to be doing an HTTP GET, and that becomes your, your verb, if you will, on your URL. To do the deletes, it's the delete HTTP method. To do creates, you're, you're going to be using POST. To do updates, you're going to be doing either a put or a patch, probably. So it's a really nice alignment with the the types of operations that you want to do on these resources. So I guess that's like the first big key principle here is that your URLs should be really pretty simple. They really are modeling, representing collections of resources and the resources themselves. And then for verbs on those resources, you're using your HTTP method. And it leads to a really simple, simple API. Right. So, so I think you know, just to put it in some, put in some examples. If you were going to create a new order, you might have a slash orders, and you would post to that. 
it wouldn't be like an API that was like slash order slash create new. That's not what you would. No, do. yes, please, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's and and that's exactly. I mean, that's that's a great example because that's something that I do see that happens quite often. You know, people making that kind of a mistake, and you know, it's just it complicates it. It's definitely non-standard, non-commit. It's not what people are expecting when they look at a RESTful API, right? So right. if it's create on, if you're creating an order, absolutely, you're going to be posting to the orders collection. And that post says, I'm creating a new entity inside that particular collection of resources. And that will return me now a new order with its own ID that I could then reference individually inside that collection. Exactly. Cool. It looks like you wanted to talk a little bit more specifically about gets. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, so when you're talking about like these, you know, your, your RESTful API and, and the types of operations that you can do against them, there's this, you do kind of run into these concepts of like, what are safe operations and what are item potent operations? Interview and, question. Yeah. <laughs> item potent is, is definitely a, a really good one. So, and then so item potent, really what it means is you can call that particular API as many times as you want. And it's safe, right? You're always going to get back the same representation back of that resource. It's it's going to be very consistent. So that's item potent. So the things that are item potent are things like obviously things that are not mutable. So not mutable operations. So if it's you know a get or a head, definitely would expect that to be item potent. But also things like delete should be item potent. So if you call delete multiple times, that should be safe, right? It's not going to cause that shouldn't cause problems on the back end. And it's not going to change the representation of the resource that you're calling that delete operation on. The same thing goes for put. Put is for you're updating a particular resource in its entirety, right? So so updating, you're sending the complete representation of the resource as part of the update. So if you send it multiple times, it should be the same result every time, right? So those are those are some of the things the operations that are item potent. One's examples that would not be item potent are things like post and patch. Those are not guaranteed to be item potent. So post is kind of wide, a bit wide ranging in, on how you can use that, but uh, common scenarios for creating new objects, right? So you'll definitely, if you call post multiple times with the same parameters, each time it's going to be creating a brand new object. So definitely a different representation there. Okay, so this this gets into the first time I've really thought about why this item potent thing is so important, and and I think now that you've described it the way that you just did, which is one of the clearer descriptions I've heard of it, I'm realizing it's just because of the realities of the web world. It's just because oftentimes you know people do double click on links or triple click or something happens and there's some jitter and a, and a request can get sent multiple times. So if I send a delete and say delete this person out of the database and then accidentally send that again i expect hey the world the world is going to stay the same the person is still deleted nothing changes i, I can send that a hundred times the person's the first time i sent it it deletes the person but after that every time i send it i'm not deleting another person or changing anything beyond what i already changed right yeah absolutely i mean and this is like the this is a very common scenario when you're dealing with distributed systems and you have, you know, potentially lots of users. You also have users that are using pot- potentially multiple devices, right? Like we all have apps that they come, you can use them like in a mobile phone app, whether it be iOS or Android, you have web versions of it. You can have multiple windows up, different browsers. And so just me, the user itself, I may send like 
do something on my in Chrome and then open it up in iOS and or maybe it's already open in iOS and I try to do the same operation, right? So dealing with this kind of this is this is kind of just like table stakes, just it's gonna happen and kind of having a safe way to do this is pretty important to think it through. So absolutely. I mean that's why you'll 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 hear about things like item potency discussed quite a bit with with APIs. So now that we're clear on what idempotent means, I think there's still some other, some more discussion that we should have about classifications of operations. So can you tell me a little bit about what safe means in terms of RESTful APIs? Sure, yeah. So so with idempotent, we said that's that's where you can call it multiple times and the representation that's returned back won't have different outcomes. With safe, that means you're calling, the operation that you're calling will not modify the representation of the resource that you're calling that on. So essentially, this is a mutable operation, right? So examples of safe operations would be HTTP methods like get, head. Those are going to be your safe methods that no matter how many times you call that, the representation coming back is going to be the same and it's not going to change. And that kind of gives rise to kind of an important thing about cacheability, right? So that because this is all based upon HTTP, really RESTful APIs really leverage themselves well for things like caching. So, you know, realizing your safe methods are definitely cacheable. That can lead to, you know, API considerations. You also have sometimes where you don't want things to be cached, right? So it's like if it's something that could be changed on the back end by other entities, right? You're going to want to either set a directive like, hey, don't cache this. Or, you know, maybe you're going to set a, an expiration on it. Just things to be to be aware of there. Right. And I think something that you're kind of alluding to, though, is that because it's RESTful, because we're using the HTTP methods, our backend can kind of be aware and, and know that if no other methods have been called other than GET for the last five to 10 minutes, then we can be sure that the next GET is going to return the same exact thing as the last GET. Yeah. I mean, it gets a little bit complicated because you have multiple you know, perhaps multiple users, many, many, many users, and sure, if they're sure. the same resources, right? Then you then you run into those those issues where, like, hey, it really is changing. So, what do you do there? But, oh um, yeah, you could have a you know somebody in the database changing things manually, mm-hmm. but yeah. but like it, it creates the the possibility, I guess, is what I'm getting at of of having a fairly straightforward way of knowing when to clear a cache. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of like one of those things. It's just kind of comes along with with the protocol and the and the infrastructure. So it's there for you, right? So you can take advantage of caching. You just need to think it through and understand like when do you want things to be cached and when do you want like the truth is is that this actually probably causes a lot of bugs for people because things are being <laughs> cached when they don't want it to be cached, right? Right, right. Um, for and sure. so it's giving unpredictable, unexpected results. Right. So it is it is a double-edged sword, but Again, just something to be aware of, something to think through and, and understand when do you want these things to be cached and when do you not want them to be cached is, is can make for a much better, much better API and performance and everything else that goes along with it. So um, it turns out that talking about building a beautiful, simple API takes more than our target 20 minutes of, of what a MobiCast length should be. So, you know, we still do have to talk about authentication and error handling and some other helpful tools. What do you say we talk about that next week, Chris? I think that sounds like a great plan. Okay, well, thanks for the discussion today and looking forward to continuing. All right, see you next week. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash four eight. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you.
and we'll see you again next week.